Blog Talk Radio. Sometimes the feeling is right. You fall in love for the first time. Heartbeat and kisses so sweet. Summertime love in the moonlight. I see MIA. He doesn't just go on vacation for a day or two. Well, today's uh, 
um, today's show, we are going to uh, talk about um, the Pearl Harbor anniversary show. It's kind of going to be a mainstay, although that's not our uh, that's not the topic of our show. But we are periodically, every ten minutes, going to go to something to do with Pearl Harbor because number one, it being a Friday, and number two, we are always contributing our shows to our troops. Tonight's Pearl Harbor dedication uh, are to everybody but U.S. Navy Seaman Homer Hopkins and Reservist Stanley Milanowski. They are not close, uh, not very far from my hometown. They were both on board the U.S. Arizona, USS Arizona, um, killed within nine minutes of the attack. So, wow. Uh, I'm going to post in the uh, chat room a link to a page on them um, that is uh, printed in the local um, local online newspaper. Tell us a little bit about them. Uh, just a great um, great tribute to individuals who, you know, just sleeping and imagine nine minutes within nine minutes. That is just unbelievable. All right. Well, let's get on and moving on. We're going to. Uh, does the GOP stand for the Grand Old Party or Gods of the Planet? Well, clearly the Republican Party is imploding. And this week, Speaker John Bonehead Boner Boehner, what is the Republican Party doing with its cast of characters? The Socialist Party. Yes, Socialist. You have Barack Obama, who's way off to the left beyond the Socialist. And then you have the GOP. The House Speaker is now talking, if you watched earlier in the news, after our Southern Sun show, tax increase now is on the table. The hell is this idiot talking about? Republicans are talking about maybe a little more debt and maybe a tax increase is acceptable. GOP, gods of the planet. The fact is the Republican Party's lost in November. They got their ass kicked. Because their socialist ways of less freedom and hate of a middle class has finally hit its final chapter. The ig- the ignoring of the Reagan Democrats, the ignoring of their middle class base, of the true conservative Tea Partiers, the Sean Hannity and Carl Rose of yesterday are finished, done. It is time for the new rise. It, it is time for the rise of the new era, a generation of fiddleheads. A true conservative in the form of Rush Limbaugh is exactly what the party needs. A move to the right, not to the left, not to the so-called center, not to this reaching out above the aisle. I mean, you can reach out and do bills together. But the surrender of the philosophy, balanced budget, defenders of our declaration, a small federal and state government, that is what the people for the people, by the people, period. The local levels. The Democratic Party is strong, and they are together. Regardless, they are one nation under Obama with no liberties and justice for whoever they pick and choose. Thus is not the same in the GOP, where they pick and choose, but they're jumping ship faster than the sinking of the Titanic. Tonight, we will see the moves that the GOP are making not only in D.C., but here in Michigan as well. We will share with you and play some clips. We will see what direction these clueless dumb shits from the Republican Party are taking their party 
as it slowly but surely implodes. Do they even know the end is near? So are they even following the gods? They're being ordered by those so-called gods to throw us all under the bus. What happened to the party of the people, and where did they go wrong? Well, as we know, today is December 7th. 2012. Let's take a little trip in history because we know what the main story was in 1941. December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. The United States of America was suddenly and deliberately attacked by naval and air forces of the Empire of Japan. And all of a sudden, uh, see these planes dropping bombs in the distance, and uh, and then, of course, when they start coming to us, and you see the, you know, the bombs start dropping around you, you know, this is uh, no drill. This is it. And the torpedo planes were making their runs on the battleship row, and that was all on fire and exploding. All we could do is fight off the airplanes as it came by. The attack was launched at the very moment Japanese peace envoys in Washington sought to continue peace conversations with this country. Arizona was on fire still, smoldering in flames. The West Virginia, who was sunk, the California, and here we were upside down. Such carnage that they had uh, done to us. It was hard to believe that any... Any country on earth could have, could have done that to our battle fleet. No matter how long it may take us to overcome this premeditated invasion, the American people in their righteous might will win through to absolute victory. And when we did, as sad as it may be, of what happened. HBO, uh, a couple years ago, or a year year or so ago, um, took time out to pay tribute to those in the Pacific. In many, many ways, in uh, the fighters of the Pacific, they're not even remembered. And when I say Pacific, I mean post-Pearl Harbor. So many of them fought for so hard and for so long. Many of them in the war for virtually the entire war. HBO put together a great team. Listen to what they did. This is absolutely breathtaking. Better have some Kleenex handy because it gets pretty emotional. I was in the Battle of Okinawa. I was at Pelilu, Palau, Angar, Iwo Jima. Two fifteen engineers in the Philippines. It was an act of altruism to bring all these guys here. We're not forgetting what they did for us. To mark the premiere of HBO's new miniseries, The Pacific, World War II veterans who fought across that ocean were flown to our nation's capital by HBO along with Honor Flight Network, a group dedicated to bringing these American heroes to the World War II memorial for their very first time. I can't believe what's going on here. This is an unbelievable welcome. HBO teamed up with American Airlines and Marriott Hotels and Resorts to salute the vets. 
we call this the honor flight, but we could easily call it the humble flight because we are humbled to be in your presence. This reception brings tears to my eyes. Just to get to spend the day with folks that never asked for anything, never expected anything, and to give them a special day like that, just watch your faces and they'll pretty well sum it up. Coming in the airport into D.C. was one of the most inspirational things I've gone through. But it was great to know that Americans still cared. It was something I'll never forget it. For them to finally get the recognition that they so richly deserve, it is such a privilege. I was in the United States Navy. I was on a tin can, which is a destroyer. Over 250 vets assembled on the mall for a wreath-laying ceremony and were joined by military personnel and government officials, along with some of the cast and the executive producers of the Pacific. When I first heard about this, I just thought it was the greatest idea in the world. Guys who would not be able to make the trip get to make the trip, and we do all the work for them? Well, that's just about the coolest thing I've ever heard. Each of us here shares a mission with HBO and its special guests and that's a mission to ensure that future Americans never forget the difference that was made by those we salute today. Being able to honor the veterans with a wreath and by being able to praise them and remember them with our words, it's like one of the greatest days we've ever shared. A really a great event to see all these guys finally seeing the memorial that none of them had had a chance to see. Those of you here today who served your nation brought hope to the world with these four words. The Americans are coming. For a long time, uh, World War II veterans were reticent to talk about what happened back then. But now they're so proud of their memorial and feel like, by golly, we did make a difference. In fact, they saved the world for freedom and democracy. That's what they did. <laughs> if, uh, if I had to do over again, I'd do it. Words don't do it justice to describe what it's like to talk to a veteran, talk to a man who was there. It makes me feel very proud and honored that, uh, that everyone respects uh, what we did. Every time that you get to meet even one veteran, it's really special. So to have 250 here, that certainly means a lot. I still can't believe what went on today. I mean, it's just tremendous. We celebrate, we commemorate, we memorialize your stories so the world that you saved will never, never forget you. Wow, now how cool was that? Wow, the Pacific. That was really, really awesome. When I, I've listened to that so many, so many times uh, in prep for the show. Really, really a sweet, uh, sweet tribute. Here's a uh, quick little, Leia, um, before we move on, quick little Budweiser commercial that I saw. You're only going to be able to uh, hear the volume of it, but I think you can uh, pick up on the logistics of it. It's a sensational commercial taking place in an airport. With our crew walk down the uh, walkboard.
a nice tribute to our soldiers. Well, my friends, this week, ousted GOP freshmen demanded explanation from House Speaker John Boehner. They call him bisexual Boehner, as there are rumors circulating about uh, sexuality, but we actually have no proof, so we're not going to get into details that he does swing both ways. is a switch hitter or putts from the rough, but we do know his views are socialism, and that's what we like to concentrate here on the situation report. Three Republican congressmen who were booted from the House committees are demanding an explanation from Speaker John Boehner, a Republican from Ohio. The reps are Justin Amash of Michigan. He is my congressman. Tim Holzkamp, a Republican from Kansas, and David Schwartzaker, who is a Republican of Arizona. I, I do think this is a guy who um, beat uh, Annie and I had that lady on the show, um, Martha McSally. I think he beat her. I'm not really sure. But anyway, he is a Republican. Uh, they sent a letter to Bonehead Boehner asking for a full and complete written explanation of the rationale for removing them from their current committee assign assignments, including scorecards. Supposedly, uh, they just didn't tote the Republican Socialist Party line. As we know, this uh, election season, Republicans are complaining about Barack Obama, claiming he's fixed elections. <laughs> really? I know a few Republicans have fixed elections, but the fact of the matter is not only are Democrats better at campaigning and getting their message across, uh, Republicans can't even fix elections right. <laughs> they usually get caught. Two days ago, I asked the GOP leadership to explain why we were taken off key committee, but my questions have gone unanswered, says Hoskamp, who said in a statement, not only do I deserve answers, but the people of Kansas deserve to know as well. And my colleagues who have been who have been safe so far should know should know how to, they can avoid the same type of issues. The GOP better be on notice for retribution in the future. After all, the entire GOP conference was warned last week that leadership is watching their votes as well. Oh yikes! Save us, me. All three lawmakers were reported punished for bucking House leaders oh, and bucking the other leaders on important votes. Amash and House Camp were removed from the Budget Committee, while Swertkurt <laughs> was kicked off the Agricultural Panel. Amash and Hulz Camp, in cahoots with a balanced budget amendment, was looked at as too radical. The removals have become and are brewing controversy within the Republican Party ranks, within the Tea Party groups, and the organizations like Club for Growth rallied to their defense. I wonder what part of the Tea Party rallied to their defense, because sadly enough, we all know that a large portion of the Tea Party um, has been infiltrated and, and uh, um, compromised, basically, with Republicans. This, through the past term, we were not aware of any such scorecard or any such cloud over our head existed that we were being watched. We believe this would be a valuable information for the entire Republican conference to know so members can make a full and complete decision when casting their votes in the future. Really, Rep. Walter Camp, he is a Republican from North Carolina, was removed from the Financial Services Committee. 
<laughs> he refused and did not sign any information after. All four of the lawmakers voted against the Budget Control Act last year that ultimately raised the debt ceiling because they all believed there was absolutely no reason to raise our debt. This included absolutely no cutting of the budget whatsoever, said Justin Amash. Housecamp said this involves such minor cuts it would make zero difference. We voted no to preserve the budget. Well, well, well. On Friday, Amash said he would not commit to voting for Boehner as Speaker. We're going to see how the next few weeks go. He's willing, if he is, is, is he willing to make amends? Amash told CNN. Well, 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 what do you know? Well, <laughs> let's play that clip. Uh, the dirty dogs get dirtier. We know this morning we're going to talk to um, Congressman uh, Justin Amash. He is a Republican from Michigan, and uh, he got was in uh, for a little bit of a surprise earlier when he discovered that he was booted uh, off the House Budget Committee. Uh, nice to have you with us, Congressman. We appreciate your time. Walk me through how you learned that you had been kicked off this, you know, uh, very much of a, a big deal committee. Well, thanks for having me on, Soledad. And I learned through news reports, uh, so I. I started to hear the word on Monday and uh, didn't hear anything from leadership uh, Monday, Tuesday, and finally I approached them on Wednesday about it myself. So this is your own party that, that booted you off, and I know you, you went to, to, you know, took to Facebook, to, and you posted this. I'm going to read it for folks. You said, I have still not received a single call, email, or text from Republican leadership confirming this story that you're booted off. In fact, I wouldn't yet even have learned about it if not for the news reports. I look forward to hearing from my party's leadership about why my principled conservative voting record offends them. Has anybody responded to your Facebook post where you're sort of like, hello, anybody want to call me, fill me in? No, not directly. Uh, they've talked about... Um this potential uh, scorecard that was used, and uh, Republican leadership insists that that wasn't the uh, the main reason for uh, pe booting people off committees. But it's pretty clear they had a scorecard, and if you were in support of more government, you got a positive score, and if you were in support of less government, you got a negative score, uh, which seems completely contrary to what you'd expect for Republicans. Congressman, yeah. this is Will Kane. That's certainly one line we've heard that you guys who who lost your committee positions were simply too conservative or too Tea Party, but. There are others who are saying it's because you guys kind of went out of your way to not only buck leadership, not only vote against leadership, but, but it seemed like you were trying to embarrass them at times. What do you say to that? No, that's, that's totally ridiculous. And, and I would emphasize that this is not a conservative versus liberal thing. Uh, there are people like me in Congress who are out there representing the vast majority of Americans who want us to balance our budget. And it's not a matter of who's willing to work with Democrats or Republicans. For example, I have a balanced budget amendment to the Constitution that has 14 Democratic co-sponsors. It's one of the most popular bipartisan budget proposals out there. So it's not about who will work with Democrats or who will work with Republicans or who's too conservative. It's about whether people are serious about getting things done to balance our budget. And there are a few of us who are very serious about it. Well, and we're actually calling for things like 
reductions in Pentagon spending. But, but sir, you know, uh, you, that's what you say. You say you have this plan. But you, you, I think what leadership, the message leadership is sending to you is that your plan is out of step with mainstream Republican thought on this. I mean, don't you think they're entitled? The leadership is the leadership. Don't you think they're entitled to decide who sits on their committees? No, absolutely not. I mean, at the end of the day, the American people sent us all there to work on this debt problem. And uh, I'm certainly not in, out of touch with mainstream America. Mainstream America believes that we need to go there and work together, Republicans and Democrats, to balance this budget. So you think the leadership, is out, leader. you think the leadership is out of step with mainstream uh, America? I mean, you think Absolutely. you are out of Look step with mainstream America, or they are? They are. Look at the kind of deals that are being talked about all the time. Uh, even this $800 billion revenue uh, proposal, it's a drop in the bucket. Uh, every year we have a trillion dollar or more deficit. So when we're talking about $800 billion in taxes over 10 years, that's only a few days of spending every year. We've got to get, if we're going to talk about taxes, and I'm willing to discuss taxes and a lot of others are willing to discuss taxes, then let's talk seriously about taxes. If we're going to talk about spending cuts, then let's talk seriously about spending cuts. Let me ask you a question. But we're not going to take care of this $16 trillion debt unless we do that. Let me ask you a question. There are people who have described what's happening in the GOP as a sort of civil war. You have the, the Tea Party, uh, sort of uh, mainstream uh, conservatives, and then moderates, those that remain. Um, and then there have been sort of calls, certainly in redstate.com, to, to fire, to get rid of John Boehner. Do you think that, that that's going to happen? Would you support that? Well, I think there's a lot of unease in the conference. Uh, there's a lot of unrest at all levels. But I would, again, uh, push back on this idea that it's some kind of Tea Party versus moderate versus mainstream uh, theme. People like me are out there calling for reductions in Pentagon spending, calling for working with the Democrats. And actually, if you look at the four people who were removed from their committees, uh, we've been the ones who have been willing to work with Democrats on a lot of these uh, tough spending issues. So would you support it's, it's the not a matter of the speaker? Or do you think he should be fired? Well, we're going to see... We're going to see how the next few weeks go and whether he's willing to make amends and put out that scorecard. Let the American people see wow. what he based the decision on. Uh, and I think, that's, I think that's critical. We need to see what the decision was based on. And I think the American people need to hear the truth, that both sides need to work together. And we've had enough of these games, these partisan games in D.C., and we've had enough of people uh, sucking up to corporate lobbyists. We need to do what's right for the American people. That sounds like a no. Yep. Uh, you know, and I, I'm trying to figure out if it, if it is if it is a no, and I, it is kind of a yes/no question. If the vote were taken right now, would you support him or not? Well, uh, right now I'm not very happy with the speaker. So let's see what happens over the next several weeks. Let's put it that way. All right, uh, Congressman Thomas no. joining us this morning. Thank you for your time. We appreciate it. Thanks so much. That that is Justin Amash, my rep, who's who's just a great guy. Rumor has it that I've been removed from the House Committee on the Budget. Remarkably, I still have not received a single email or text from Republican leadership confirming this a week after the story has broken. In fact, I wouldn't have learned about it had I not been watching the news. <laughs> oh. oh, isn't this grand old party just a-dancing wonderfully? The Socialist Party. Oh, boy. Well, we can understand why um, the Republican Party uh, Republican Party is uh, imploding. Uh, they obviously don't support the Constitution, and they really don't even support the middle class. It is a party that is condescending down to anyone 
but within their own country club mentality. They are the clueless of what happened in November. They're almost like the uh, type of lifeguard who's in the lifeguard stand on a pouring rainy day at the beach saying people will be coming in any minute now. And as the story goes on, an hour later, he keeps saying, yeah, any minute now, he's setting up the beach, getting ready for all these people. And then it's dark out, and he says, yeah, they'll be rolling in any minute. Some of the great presidents would never stand for this party the way it is now as a socialist Republican party. It's not a party of the people. It's a party of the pimps. wonder what Calvin Coolidge would think of this. Calvin Coolidge was the 30th president of America during a period of economic prosperity. His policy was that government should interfere as little as possible with business and individuals, and he therefore ignored signs that the stock market was likely to collapse. He was born on July 4, 1872, in Plymouth Notch, Vermont. He was the son of a small-town merchant and was raised on the family farm. Calvin Coolidge died on January 5, 1933, at the beaches in Northampton. The career of Calvin Coolidge included the roles of lawyer, politician, and statesman. He received a good education at Amherst College, where he gained a reputation for his public speaking skills. He became the 30th President of America in 1923, and served for six years until 1929. Calvin Coolidge married Grace Anna Goodhue on October 4, 1905. Grace Coolidge was a close friend of Helen Keller, the American author and political activist who was deaf and blind. Calvin Coolidge and his wife had two children. Their names were John and Calvin. The family spoke in sign language when they did not wish to be overheard. Calvin Coolidge belonged to the Republican political party. He was 51 years old when he was inaugurated as the 30th president. Inauguration is a president's swearing-in ceremony. Calvin Coolidge was sworn into office by his own father, who was a justice of the peace. He used the media well as the most photographed person on earth. Charles Gates Dawes stood as the vice president. Calvin Coolidge stood at 5 feet 10 inches tall and was slightly built. He had small, deeply set blue eyes and thin, pursed lips. His red hair turned sandy as he aged. He was a man of simple tastes and known to be frugal and stoic. His nickname was Silent Cal, due to his reputation for not saying much. He even refused to use the telephone while he was in office. Coolidge's policies were aggressively pro-business. Coolidge secured reductions in taxes for wealthy Americans, referred to as the Coolidge Prosperity. Through his public statements, he encouraged the reckless stock market speculation of the late 1920s and left the nation unprepared for the economic collapse and the stock market crash that led to the Great Depression. During his lifetime, he played a key role in major events of the era. Calvin Coolidge was instrumental in passing the Revenue Acts of 1924 and 1926, which decreased personal income tax rates and the Immigration Act. The Kellogg-Briand Pact renounced war as a solution to resolving international differences. During his presidency, Charles Lindbergh made the historic transatlantic flight in his monoplane, the Spirit of St. Louis. Calvin Coolidge died of heart failure on January 5, 1933, at the beaches in Northampton. Instead of having the body taken to Washington or to Boston to lie in state, Mrs. Coolidge ordered that her husband's body remain in their home. He was buried at Plymouth Notch, Vermont. So ends our short biography about the life and presidency of Calvin Coolidge, the popular and deliberately hands-off president in prosperous times who ignored signs that the stock market was likely to collapse. The next U.S. president was Herbert Hoover. This video is one of a series covering all of the American presidents and has been created by www.facts-about.org. Alrighty, Calvin Coolidge. <laughs> the business of America is business. 
a man who believed in less government, little government, minding their own business. Wow, can you imagine that? All right, well, a philosophy of the Constitution uh, should always be um, limited federal government, state government as well, county and local levels really being the mainstay of the American people. Well, as we know, my dear friend, the the, uh, founding mother, I should say, of the Beaufort County uh, Tea Party down there in South Carolina, uh, Annie, who's probably going to run for Congress someday. She's making some venison right now. But anyway, as we know, Annie is a right-to-work girl. She's all for the right-to-work state and you know, I'm cool Mike, of course. I'm for it, but at different levels. Here is why you are not for government getting involved in right to work. And here is why collective bargaining should be left between an employer and his employees. Where government gets involved, I don't know. But if you are Tea Party, you believe in beyond limited government. is because here in Michigan, uh, the amendment that is going through, they want an amendment that cannot be overturned by the people that only government itself can overturn this law of, uh, uh, it's called, I'm trying to think what the name, they always give these these great names, these amazing names, freedoms of whatever, whatever, but it's basically right to work, which everyone should have the right to work. They should have more than actually two options. But anyway, here's the bottom line. In Michigan, it's right to work. And, of course, Tea Party, yeah, let's get this thing through. Bravo for the governor. Really. And the fact of the matter is the majority of the Tea Parties will support this because they're for right to work, but not even realizing it also takes away your right to rescind. Can you support any candidates that you disagree with? No, we don't want Obama in office. A vote against uh, a vote. If you don't vote for Obama, uh, if you don't vote for Romney, you're voting against Obama. Voting for your convictions of what you're voting for. And the bottom line is here, when you trust anybody other than yourself to do a law, this is what they do in Michigan. They make it illegal. It's called the the no right of rescindment or something like that. But that, that is also going to be challenged. But, of course, we have a socialist governor and a socialist party. He's only following party line. So... Well, before I jump to our next uh, special, we got uh, our next piece. We got area code 505 on the line. Hello. Welcome to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. Yes. Hi, Mike. This is Sue from New Mexico. How's everything down in New Mexico? Actually, today it was really warm, and we have had no snow yet, so I'm really surprised. But it's good. Anyway. Good. I've just got some information about Medicare scan that is going on with seniors and the disabled. Um, I tracked everything down yesterday, and I need to let people know what's going on. And if you are on Medicare or you know someone on Medicare, please let them know this information. What is happening right now because of Obamacare and the low payments is uh, like lab companies and doctors are scamming uh, the elderly and the disabled. What they are doing, and this is really sad, I had this happen to me by Quest Diagnostics 
which is a huge, huge corporation that has been buying up the smaller lab companies. Anyway, what they are doing is they are filing, you know, with the Medicare, which sets the limits for lab tests, and then uh, they collect from your insurance. Then they turned around and they billed me, and they threatened me with, uh, you know, turning me into a credit, you know, collection agency. Very threatening letter when I called about the bill. They wouldn't answer me. Anyway, I called Blue Cross Blue Shield and also Medicare. And what Blue Cross Blue Shield told me is they are getting increasing calls. What they are doing is threatening the elderly and the disabled. Blue Cross said that the elderly, they don't have time to rebuild their credit and they are being scared. They said that they are getting these type of bills, not only from Quest Diagnostics, but also doctors and I don't know if it's hospitals, and they are just turning around and paying it without checking into it. So please, anyone who is on Medicare and, uh, you know, check your bills. If they send you a bill, please check into it before you just write them a check. I think this is horrible, just horrible. And I tried to report fraud to Medicare, and I've been a nurse over 30 years, always a whistleblower, always a patient advocate, always told by Medicare we don't have enough personnel to investigate. What Medicare told me yesterday, and it took me four hours to get through, is that this was done to me, and it wasn't, you know, something they did to Medicare. Therefore, they would not, you know, file a report or anything. Now, Blue Cross Blue Shield, I am writing a written report, and I've got names and everything, you know, so that hopefully they can stop this. But anyway, that's just what I wanted to say, and I really want people wow. to deal with this. I can, it, you know, it's it's just basically, what, what a shame. I mean, yeah. it's so much confusion for people who have given so much, paid their taxes, uh, really paid more than their fair share, stayed out of trouble, uh, trying to enjoy their retirement, and some of which, sadly, we know as you get older, uh, you, you tend to uh, lose track of, uh, you can't keep records as well, and, and now all yeah. of a sudden plunge, plunged into chaos. At a at a, a time in their life where the, that's the last thing they need. Well, I'm going to put up my in the chat room my Twitter, uh, and please anyone because I have been doing this with Medicare for many years. If anyone is having trouble, needs question answered, needs help, please please tweet me. And, you know, I'll follow you. We can do it through DMs any way you want to do. But I do know how to do this. And the fact that, you know, doctors are scamming the elderly, the disabled. And also another thing that someone contacted me who I've been helping uh, was on Medicare, Medicaid, severely brain damaged, you know, a lot of problems. And um, anyway, uh she was on Medicare and Medicaid. She was informed two days ago that they were taking her off the Medicaid, which would mean 
you know, she didn't have um, any mental health, any, you know, it, it was really bad what was happening to her. And open enrollment is over at midnight tonight. So that gave her two days, and she could not comprehend anything, so she contacted me. And What uh, is open enrollment? Can you explain that? Yes, open enrollment is for Medicare. It's um, You have a certain period of time that you can change your health care plan. And they, I can't remember if it's two, three weeks or what it is. I know I just changed my plan. And that's the only time you can change it. Now, what I did, you know, for her is she got into the Medicare Advantage. It looks like for 2013, Medicare Advantage in many of the states is going to be okay. But after that, uh, what Obamacare does to the Medicare Advantage um, is they're going to take it away, and then a lot of people are going to be in trouble. When she tried to get a secondary insurance, the cheapest she could find was $500 for a secondary Holy insurance. Holy cow. Uh, yeah, and I've checked into this, too, and these are your, this is your AARP and uh, Aetna and all of these companies. And so they they send things out so late and people are panicked, and it's just a total nightmare. There are things that people can do after the open enrollment is over. So if someone is having trouble, please, please contact me. I will help you uh, to get it fixed. But it is very complicated. Uh, government sites are not done, and it's not fun to call into them. And there is so much fraud. I've known about this fraud for over 30 years. I've been reporting it. If they took care of the fraud, Medicare would be solvent. I guarantee you that because I know about a lot of it. And anyway, I appreciate so much you letting me be on the show and tell people about this. And, um, you know, it's it's just sad. But when I heard you know, Blue Cross say doctors and, you know, the people who were doing this. And this Quest Diagnostic is a huge company, multi-state. So anyway, oh, yeah. thank you so much, Mike. Oh, you bet, Sue. Uh, thank you very much. Always keep in touch. So stay on, stay on, uh, stay on the line as well. And, uh, wow. Midnight tonight, my friends. Here's uh, first-class information right here. Sue can help you. Also, if you're listening, uh, if you're listening in the archives, it is almost it's quarter to nine, so 8:45 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you're on the West Coast, better tweet Sue; she can help you. <laughs> Let's hear from the judge, Andrew Napolitano. We all know is my guy. Me, my banker would call me. No. They will tell the person to whom they're giving the self-written search warrant it's a felony for them to speak to anyone about it. They can't tell their spouse. They can't tell their lawyer. They can't even tell a federal judge in a federal judge's courtroom that they have been the recipient of one of these search warrants. That, of course, prevents them from challenging it for a year. We are not accustomed in this country to having that kind of power in the hands of federal agents. We have always put 
a neutral judge between the governmental agent and the target of that agent. And they can Patriot break, in, Act, they can break into your house? The Patriot Act, with a search warrant, allows federal agents to break into your house, make it look like a burglary, steal your checkbook, and leave, and they don't have to tell you about it for a year. Now, you may say, well, why would they? They would only do that for terrorism, though. Isn't that what they're supposed to do? That's what they're supposed to do. However, they have used this power to fight uh, organized crime, drug dealing, pornography, and political corruption, the last in the city of Las Vegas. But surely they've gotten some terrorism convictions out of this. They've gotten no terrorism convictions out of any evidence that none? they've obtained under the Patriot Act. Zero, Never? none. They've gotten, to, uh, they've gotten a series of guilty pleas. They've gotten convictions in these other crimes. But not on terror. But not on terror. They have done their best to keep evidence obtained under the Patriot Act from being introduced in criminal court because they don't want a federal judge to find the Patriot Act unconstitutional. Now, five federal judges have ruled on it so far. Two appointed by President George H.W. Bush. All five have found it unconstitutional. They found the self-written search warrant aspect unconstitutional. They found the part that says, thou shalt not speak unconstitutional, it violates the uh, First Amendment. But the Justice Department keeps enforcing it, and the Congress has just made it stronger, made it more difficult for people who are targeted under the Patriot Act, whether it's acts of terror or whatever, to challenge the government's behavior. What's the fear? The fear is that uh, government agents, without the restraint of a judge, will have too much power and will violate the rights that the Constitution guarantees us. Remember, we wrote the Fourth Amendment 200 years ago because British soldiers had the right to write their own search warrants. We didn't want any of that. 200 years later, we're back where we started. Will this be found unconstitutional? I think it will. All five judges who looked at it so far have done so, and I think as it makes its way through the appellate system, it'll be found unconstitutional as well. Now, the president has argued it will be only, only be used against the bad guys. It will only be used against terrorists. But they are so sophisticated that we need to respond with this sophistication. We need to give law enforcement more breathing room, more elbow room uh, in attacking them. That remains to be seen. Law enforcement has not, as we talked earlier, used this just to attack uh, terrorism. They've used it all over because, quite frankly, it makes their job easier. If they don't have to go to a judge and get a search warrant, if they can write their own search warrant, they can do their job easier and quicker, but at the price of our freedoms. Judge, thank you. You're welcome, Chef. Thank you very much. Last night, with no committee hearings, no opportunity for offering amendments, and no real floor debate, as we just talked about with the governor, the House of Representatives refused to reauthorize portions of the Patriot Act. Freedom Watch salutes all those who voted against the extension of portions of this unconstitutional law. You have a right to know this. The Patriot Act became law a month after 9-11 with no debate, none, in the House of Representatives and very little in the Senate. In fact, in the House, members were only given 15 minutes to read the proposed Patriot Act even though it's 315 pages long and takes about 20 hours to read. What are they afraid of? The Bush administration cowed the Congress in the days after 9-11 into enacting this monstrosity. What does it do? It permits federal agents to write their own search warrants, bypassing the requirements of the Constitution that only judges can issue search warrants. It prohibits the recipient of a search warrant from telling anyone that he's received it, bypassing freedom of speech. The Patriot Act permits federal agents to break into your home plant listing devices or seize property and not tell you that they've done so for 18 months. It requires your lawyer, your doctor, your banker, your computer server, your grocer, your post office 
to hand over whatever the feds want without a warrant issued by a judge. These are just a few of the glaring and obvious violations of freedom of speech and the right to privacy, all guaranteed by the Constitution that this abominable law permits. Well, parts of that law are about to expire, and the president and the Republican leadership, Republican leadership, want them renewed. And last night, the House said no. Good for the House. Either the Constitution means what it says or it doesn't. Either the Congress meant what it said when it promised to uphold the Constitution or it didn't. This is fairly basic. If the Congress thinks it can change or bypass the Constitution, then no one's life, liberty, or property is safe. Talk about safety. The team- <laughs> Maybe just Napolitano will be kicked off by the committed by Bonehead Boehner, um, uh, the House Speaker. Nine Republican presidential candidates squared off tonight in a debate hosted by Fox News and Google in Orlando, Florida. According to the latest Suffolk University poll, Mitt Romney is in the lead with Ron Paul in second place at 14%. Joining me now is my friend and colleague, Fox News political analyst Juan Williams, author of Muzzled, The Assault on Honest Debate. You know we'll have honest debate here, my friend. There you go. All right, now, what you got to tell me what you think of this headline in, in something called The Daily Caller. Quote, poll, Romney leads New Hampshire, Huntsman third, Perry fourth. Now, do they know how to count? <laughs> why would they omit saying who was in second? second? Well, you know why? Ron Paul. But but is there a media bias against him? Just from the media's point of view, isn't he good for the media because he challenges Republican orthodoxy and causes debate and generates and stimulates the discussion about ideas that the other Republicans don't want to talk about? Well, that's right. And it's because there were other Republicans don't want to talk about it. It's because he is such an extraordinary candidate that the mainstream media doesn't pay attention. They don't believe that Ron Paul, with his libertarian bent, could actually be the GOP nominee. To the contrary, every time Ron Paul comes out, attracts huge crowds, gets numbers that are sufficient in the polls to say this could be your Republican nominee, there's a base of Republicans, but especially the mainstream media, that refuse to acknowledge. It's like he's standing in front of them, and they say, I don't believe it. Don't believe it. Not credible. I, I'm going to rub my eyes and see if I can. Oh, he's still there. Yeah, but is, I, is who's it, first? Who's third? Is it a rejection of what he believes in? Is it a uh, is it just a perception that these numbers that we're seeing are are not accurate and can't last? Well, you know, part of the problem is that if you look at conventional mainstream Republican ideology, it's not isolationist. So, some of the key issues that have erupted during our age weapons of mass destruction, Iraq, Afghanistan, pursuit of Osama bin Laden, foreign aid, Israel, popped up this very week. Right. On all these fronts, what you hear from Ron Paul is contrary to Republican orthodoxy. Okay, Judge. but you, you would agree with me, and obviously disagree if you, if you feel inclined. The key issue is the economy. Right. No one has been stronger on what yeah. has caused these problems. No one has been more consistent. No one has done more to bring the Federal Reserve and money printing and central planning of uh, economic uh, activity into focus than Ron Paul. Is it yeah. possible Republicans and independents are recognizing that? No, they're not recognizing it yet. And again, you know, what strikes me about this is I think Ron Paul is the father of the Tea Party, and in large part because of his criticism of U.S. economic policy and printing money, you know, willy-nilly, 
and saying that we are, in fact, out of control and we need to get back into some kind of very hard basis for currency. This is all Ron Paul. Okay. And saying spending is out of control and taxation is too much, and he's been back and forth with Perry in this debate and others about this issue. So here's what we know. In fact, he is, as you just described him, prescient when it comes to American economic problems, and yet people see him as, well, gee, that's Ron Paul. He's kind of, you know, curly-minded or curly-heared or whatever. Right. Last, uh, last question. Can Mitt Romney shake off Romney care? Can Rick Perry shake off something I believe in, but I'm not running for president, right. that Social Security is a Ponzi scheme. Nope, in neither case. And, and uh, it will stick to them because negatives stick to politicians. You remember negative ads much more than you remember people's accomplishments. The Ponzi scheme one is a problem, and I'll tell you why. I don't know well, exactly why you agree with it, because there's nothing illegal about Social but the Security. Ponzi scheme one... Well, as we see, it, they did not recover over Thanksgiving. Over the 4th of July summer, a very young man, a very good young man, did something wonderful for our troops. His name is Stephen Goodman. Hi, my name is Stephen Goodman, and I'm writing 180,000 cards for the troops overseas. I am doing this because my grandfather went to Vietnam, and he didn't get any cards. I want the troops overseas to know now that we do care about them and have never forgotten. Last year, Kodak jumped on board and supported Stephen with 20,000 printed cards that he designed. This year, we're excited to kick off a 4th of July event for Stephen's cards. You can support Stephen's cause by visiting www.kodak.com slash go slash Stephen Goodman. Learn more about his cause and find a retailer near you. Personalized greeting cards are a great way to share messages of encouragement, and Kodak Personal Greetings is a great fit for Stephen's endeavor. I'd like to thank everyone that's helped me in my efforts to write 180,000 cards for the troops overseas. Thank you, and a happy 4th of July to all our veterans. Is that not cool or what? <laughs> oh, boy. Great stories about great individuals. Just amazing. What's it mean to be a conservative? Do you know? Well, the story of Burt Brady. This is a great story. Welcoming home our troops. Finally tonight, our person of the week. A man who believes that the first thing a soldier sees when returning to the United States is all important. They're glad to see us, and we're uh, tickled to death to see them, of course, because they're our, they're our heroes. Every morning for over a year now, Bert Brady gets up, fixes himself a cup of coffee, and heads over to the Dallas-Fort Worth airport. Not to fly anywhere, welcome home. but to welcome home American troops returning from Iraq and Afghanistan. I went 300 days last year. Brady, a 69-year-old veteran, is a member of the Welcome Home a Hero program, trying to make sure every soldier that comes through Dallas gets a special homecoming. And he's not alone when he goes. Brady has reached out to almost anyone who will join him. And we have people who only come on weekends, people who work. We have people who can't get there during the week. Schools, uh, 
kindergartens, Christian schools. We have a lot of support from the Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts. Brady's goal is to make the soldiers feel appreciated and proud of their service. Specialist Rodriguez comes with a hug if you like. He's joined by many Vietnam and Korea vets who did not feel that, who did not get a warm homecoming. And they're making sure that it does not happen again, not to this generation of soldiers. We're not going to forget them. Uh, like a lot of Vietnam soldiers have been forgotten, we're not going to forget the soldiers of today. We owe it to them. They're doing a big job for us. When I came home in 1954, there was nobody, no nothing. You are the man. Thank you very much. We're so proud of you all. It's just really rewarding for me. You can't make 200 people happy and not do that. 95% of them are smiling. And you know, uh, you never can tell uh, if one of their buddies died in their arms yesterday. So you get all kinds of uh, emotions coming through the line. How do the soldiers feel? Uh, it's, it's great. <laughs> I'm just glad to be back. Sometimes it's overwhelming. It's incredible to see the support and everybody cheering them on. And... It's, it's just nice to be home. But, uh, I mean, we know they took uh, time out of their day. You know, to be. Out of emotion there. And that is uh, Mr. Brady, Bert Brady, excuse me, our person of the week. Well, my friends, I'm not sure when Robert Jones will be back, but maybe Monday, maybe you'll be stuck with me. But on behalf of Ann, Ann from Southern Sense, conservative primetime, and Dr. C. Robert Jones, thank you for joining us. This is Cool Mike. God bless America. God bless our troops. December 7th, 1941, a day which will never be forgotten. It will live in infamy. I think up next is GC 2020. Let's go bottom. Good night, everybody. Sometimes the feeling is right. You fall in love for the first time Heartbeat and kisses so sweet So much time love in the moonlight I see, I see